All right, welcome. Nice to be on the beach. And we had a kind of a dilemma this week because we realized that coming up, you know, last week we finished right as the sun went down and it was getting dark and it was beautiful. And then I realized coming up is the time change. So we're going to be we're going to be sitting in the dark and um, we didn't want to be out here with lights because you're going to disturb the turtles. You could kill the turtles, apparently. The what? Yeah. It's over with now? Uh, well, still, we don't want to be in the dark. Just in case there's that one final turtle that needs to find the, it's the ocean. <laughs> so um, we decided that we want to keep going with the beach. And um, I know 5 o'clock's early, but um, you know a few people actually tonight couldn't make it because of work and responsibilities and stuff. But uh, we're just going to we're gonna do it from 5 to 6. And... Um, we're going to do it just as long as you guys want to, you know, unless it's pouring rain or some other thing, then we'll, we'll be out here. <laughs> so you can turn your Bible to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. And I, I kind of like a little bit of a smaller group when we're actually in a circle now, too, because we can kind of just sit together and it's more relaxed. Last week we had a lot of visitors, which is nice, and I think a couple of weeks before that, but it's nicer to have kind of a, a smaller setting and we can get um, kind of get more focused in and, and talk specifically about what's going on. In fact, we uh, had another exciting thing happen this week, <laughs> and that is that we signed a lease on a church building. So, praise the Lord. It's on 75th Street, right in the middle of Cortez and Manatee. And uh, you may have seen it before, and it actually started out, learning a little of the history of the building, it started out as a Jewish um, community center. And uh, a church, actually several churches have used it over the years, and um, it turns out it was uh, up for lease. And so we saw it, and we're like, that would be a great location. Um, West Bradenton is where we want to be, close to the island for those who live on the island. And uh, so God kind of put things into motion and we were able to rent it. And so we're going to, at the very latest, we'll start Sunday services the beginning, first Sunday in January. But we're hoping to get in sooner than that. Um, so it's awesome. Yay. Woo. Yeah, we already clapped. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. That second clap, though, that's... Yeah. I'm just sitting down right now, so it's very comfortable. I don't usually sit down. Yeah, Michael sat down this week, so let's clap for that. <laughs> I noticed he only did one song in the beginning, though, so there was that. <laughs> uh, okay, let's get into the word, and um, we won't... We won't keep this too long, and then we can enjoy the sunset and hang out a little bit. John chapter 3, last week we talked about uh, Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a man who was a Pharisee. A Pharisee was a religious leader. They, As you read the Gospels, you discover the Pharisees were usually against Jesus. They were like the enemy almost, which is funny when you think about it because the Pharisees were the ones who represented God to the people. They were the religious leaders. They were the leaders who were supposed to faithfully teach God's word and lead people into uh, the right worship of God and all the other things. 
And it turns out they ended up butting heads with Jesus more than anybody else. And that was because Jesus came to to show people that it's more than just external religion that God is looking for. He's not just looking for um, people to do church right or to do temple or to do synagogue right. Um, he's looking for people to have a relationship on the inside. So rather than external religion, Jesus came to preach a message of the kingdom, which starts in the heart. Actually, repentance in the heart. And there was a message of repentance that was being taught, and this all goes along with our story tonight, by a man named John the Baptist. And uh, John the Baptist came to preach a message of prepare the way for the Messiah. The Messiah was the Savior that they were look, the Jews were looking for from the Old Testament prophecies. The Old Testament prophesies that a Savior would come and deliver God's people, the, the nation of Israel, um, and set up his kingdom and rule forever and ever. And so they were looking for this Messiah, and they'd been looking for hundreds of years of all the prophets and prophecies. And then finally, here comes John the Baptist saying, All right, everybody, get ready. Prepare yourself and repent, which means turn directions, turn from your sin, turn from the wickedness, and prepare the way because the Messiah, who's been promised so many times throughout the history of, um, actually the history of the world from Adam on, prepare because here he comes. And then when Jesus came, John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. One of the promises of the Messiah was an enactment of a new covenant, a new relationship God would have with man, where God would forgive their sins. Even though they were sinners, he would forgive them. And a sacrifice, all the sacrifices that had been made up to that point, all pointed toward the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus, God's Son, the Lamb that would be slain for the sins of the world. And that's what John the Baptist did. He prepared the way. He preached the message of repentance. And then here comes Jesus. And Jesus came and, and he was baptized. And then he started his ministry. And Nicodemus, that message last week about being born again, that was one of the first conversations really we have of Jesus interacting about being born again, about the new life and that sort of thing. But there happens to be a time when the ministry of John the Baptist is overlapping with the ministry of Jesus. Because John the Baptist was here to prepare the way. Once you prepare the way, here comes the Messiah, the Savior. Now the Savior is here, and so take it away. It's like a marathon or a relay race, kind of. You pass the baton. And then there's that time in the middle where they're kind of both running together. And then the one kind of lets go gradually. It keeps running, and then there goes the... the um, what's the last person called on a relay the fastest runners usually the anchor there goes the anchor gonna go win the race finish the race and so that's what John the Baptist was doing with uh, with Jesus passing but there was a time where their ministries overlapped and that's all that to introduce today in verse 22 of John chapter 3 this is kind of the events surrounding that overlapping time period and guys for those I'm looking around most of us are have, that I know that are here for the church, that have come, you know, and are part of leadership at the church even, this is especially important. It's a, it applies to everyone. So no matter who you are, where you're from, what your background, I think you're going to get something out. It's God's word. 
but it really applies to us in ministry who are trying to do something, well, hopefully we all are, trying to do something for God, to be successful in ministry for the Lord. And here's what, here's what happened. Verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went to the Judean countryside where he spent time with them and baptized. So here we are, Jesus, and he's already gathered some disciples. We saw that already too. You know, Peter and Andrew, Nathaniel, Philip. So he's got these guys that are, his disciples are following him and they start baptizing too. Most likely the same message of repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And that was Jesus' message as we see it develop. But that was his message in the beginning, carrying on from John the Baptist's message of repent. Prepare yourself. Prepare your hearts. And John also was baptizing in Anan near Salim because there was plenty of water there. I like it says, because there was plenty of water there. And I, that always speaks to me. Why? Because sometimes we try to get so spiritual about things. Like, you know, hey, maybe, you know, we're looking for a church building. Well, let's, we need to hear, we need to see, uh, you know, angels descending upon the building and, you know, the Lord speak to us and all these spiritual. Maybe that'll happen. I don't know. Sometimes it does. But I think sometimes we get, let me say, overly spiritual, meaning we we uh, we look for too, uh, too much of a sign that we miss the obvious in front of us. So John the Baptist, where should we baptize? He had a great idea. How about we baptize at the place with the most water? <laughs> Makes sense, right? Where should we get a building? How about we get a building in a place that's in West Bradenton and easy to get to? <laughs> and one that'll actually rent to us. <laughs> so I love that verse. Because there was plenty of water there. It doesn't say because the Lord had spoken to him in a vision or something you know, spectacular. Which that happens sometimes too. But uh, you know, there's some decision we can just make and say, you know, this is probably the best decision. Let's pray about it. And there's water there, let's go. There was actually another time when the, the Ethiopian eunuch was getting uh, saved and he said, let's stop and get baptized. And the reason why he said let's stop is because he saw the water there. So it's pretty pretty basic. It's, it's not, it doesn't have to be too complicated is what I'm saying. And then uh, people were coming and being baptized. Verse 24, since John had not yet been thrown into prison, isn't that interesting that, um, you know, most likely John, the gospel, was written after the first three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And those tell of a more detailed uh, history of the events surrounding what Jesus did and what Jesus said. And John, as I've said before, is more about who Jesus is. You know, what Jesus did and what he said, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John is more focused, of course he has those other things, but more focused on who Jesus is. And uh, talks about his deity a lot more and, uh, you know, those sorts of things. But it's interesting here that most likely the readers of John would have known the history of John the Baptist. Because this came out years later from the times of the events that they're writing about. So most likely his readers knew what happened to John the Baptist. Guess what? I hate to be the bearer of bad news if you've never read the story or don't know. But John the Baptist was imprisoned and then later... Got his head cut off. You know, I thought he was a, you know, it's and, and some people would say, you know, well, he must have been released because he was a man of God. 
And yeah, he was released, released into heaven. <laughs> Which is bad. <laughs> you know? <laughs> what did you say? Oh, amen. Okay. And so he got released. Yeah, his head got released from his body. <laughs> Man. Uh, uh, let's, let's cut it out. <laughs> so what happened? So they knew the history of this. And then, and here comes in John's writing, not John the Baptist, of course, but John called the evangelist who wrote the gospel. And uh, he, um, he said John had not yet been thrown into prison. So what's happening is John's ministry is very successful. And I want us to talk about ministry and what we're doing for the Lord, especially us as church leaders and involved in the, the, the sprouting and the starting of West Church and this ministry, is that John's ministry had become incredibly successful, even to the point where he was somewhat of a national celebrity. Everybody, thousands of people were coming out. To be baptized, and I'm setting this is I'm saying this for a reason. You're going to see in a second. And then what happens is, you know, Jesus comes on the scene, and then John gets arrested, and put to death in prison. And I and I want you to know that ministry, it's not always you know um, having success as far as the world's perspective. You understand what I'm saying? It's not always uh, going to be circumstantially beneficial to us <laughs> the, and you look you see that even today in many places in the world imprisonment you know not everybody gets to meet on a beautiful beach with a sunset in a you know wonderful weather in a great place great country great state and there's different there's different ways to minister so it doesn't mean that just because you know someone have having great success and everything seems to be going well that could change. That doesn't mean that God has abandoned that individual or that ministry. And so John had not yet been thrown in prison, but he did get thrown into prison. So a dispute rose, verse 25, between John's disciples and a Jew about pur purification. And so they came to John and told him. So what's happening is, okay, I want you to get what's happening here because this is, I mean, if you're making application, there's a lot to be made here. What's happening is ministry is a success. People are coming out. People are getting baptized. Nothing could go wrong. Little did they know imprisonment was coming for John the Baptist. His ministry would be over. What happens now is after the ministry sees some success, they start to dispute among themselves. They start to squabble about, I would call it, petty differences. It's about this thing of purification. That wasn't even really, you know, one of the big issues that they were facing at the time. Yet they're here they were fighting about it. Now, it's a good thing today that churches don't fight about little non-essential uh, secondary issues, right? They do. <laughs> uh huh. But what happens is they start to argue, and then look, look what happens next. As soon as they start to... to have little disputes amongst themselves, then they start to we start to see a little bit of not only division but of um, being unsatisfied and even jealous with something else that starts to happen. Watch. So it says they came to John and told him, Rabbi, the one you testified about, 
Who's that? It's Jesus. Remember, John testified of Jesus. So think of it from his disciples were baptizing. Jesus' disciples were baptizing in different places. What's happening here? The one that uh, you testified about, verse 26, and who was with you across the Jordan is baptizing and everyone is flocking to him. I like that translation, Josiah. <laughs> flocking to him. I had to borrow uh, Pastor Josiah's Bible tonight because mine's normally in my car, but someone, I left my car unlocked and someone went in there looking for like valuables. I think they stole my Bible. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. May they get saved from the Bible, Lord. Nothing else, just so I borrowed. Thank you. But I like that um, translation there. They're flocking to him. You can see, and even in the, I've, I've read from commentators, I don't speak the original or read the original Greek language there. But even from that, more so, there's an attitude of jealousy. Discontentment with what is happening here because the numbers are shrinking and then jealousy over what is happening over there because the numbers are growing. Guys, I've been a pastor for like 20 years and part of many different types of ministries, very small churches and very big churches. And I can tell you from my own personal confession and experience that one of the most difficult things for pastors and ministries in general, churches even, is to be jealous of what God is doing somewhere else in some other church or ministry through some other person. That's just a confession of mine. Okay? And this is a great verse for those who struggle with that. And I think we can all we confess that we struggle with jealousy in one way or another. Someone else gets the job or someone else is recognized or it happens. And that's what's happening with them. They were good, they were good uh, people. These, these uh, disciples of John the Baptist, they were doing God's work. God was obviously blessing them. But what happens is they start to, to bicker amongst themselves, and then they start to get bitter and jealous about some other ministry that's starting. I love John the Baptist, though. He knew what was going on. John responded. So they're, they're whining. Everybody's going, everybody's going to their church. They're leaving our church. <laughs> that's my own, you know, that's how I felt before. Yeah. And, it, and it, John said, no one can receive a single thing unless it's given to him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I'm not the Messiah, but I've been sent ahead of him. And then he gives a little illustration. He says, he who has the bride is the groom. But the groom's friend, who stands by and listens for him, rejoices greatly at the groom's voice. So this joy of mine is complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. So when you see Pastor Brian increase in Jesus Christ decrease, you know there's a problem. And any, just anybody else too, not just me. So John the Baptist says, look, the most important thing here, and I, I told you this before, he said, I am not the center of attention. I am not the, whole, the point of this whole thing. 
It's not about me. The, the center of the universe is not John the Baptist or Brian Kelly or West Church or any of you. The center of our thought of everything in life is Jesus Christ. And so when people start to complain, hey, they're going over to this church or that ministry or whatever it may be, you need to ask yourself, well, it could be that Jesus is more clearly seen over there than over here. Maybe what people see here is a slick performance and a good preacher and some nice music and out on the beach or whatever it is. But is Jesus the main thing here? Or is the pastor the main thing? This is our, as you get to know us, you're going to get to know our heart. Michael, Josiah, uh, Eric, Gavin, all the rest. You're going to get to know that this ministry is built upon the rock of Jesus Christ. And that means, you know, if, you know, if, uh, if someone leaves or there's a new preacher or whatever happens, the church is not shaken because the church is built on Christ, not on John the Baptist, not on the disciples. And that's what he said to them. I, I told you this. This my purpose is for him to increase. And this is especially difficult. I'll move on from here. I just have to preach a little bit more about this because I'm preaching to myself. This is especially difficult in the day and age that we live in, in the culture that we live in that says everything is about you. You need to look out for number one. You need to, you know, get ahead. You need to make sure it's you first. And John the Baptist is about to go into prison and get his head cut off. And he says, that's okay because it's not about me anyways. It's about Jesus Christ. Where were you a hundred years ago? Didn't exist, right? Jesus was there. A thousand years ago, there were churches, there were ministries. They met on the beach. We're not the first ones to meet on the beach. Where were you? Where was I? Nowhere. Jesus was there. You see, it's all about him throughout history. And our part is just to lend support, however we've been gifted, to exalt him in our current place, day and age, and culture, and city. He must increase, but I must decrease. And I'm going to tell you this. I've seen it, and it's biblical, that in, the, in your life and in your ministry, he will not increase until you decrease. There's not room for two at the top. And if you're saying, I want to be the, the guy or the girl, then Jesus is going to say, well, I'm going to go and use someone who's humble. My, how the, how the mighty have fallen. Let that be a lesson to us. Thank you, John the Baptist, for that. And he said no one can receive something unless it's given. Any, if something good happens with our church or with you or with me, it's a gift from God anyway. You can't brag about it. We can't boast. And then uh, he gives the illustration of the, mar the wedding. <laughs> and I thought about this. I, th I thought, imagine you're getting married and uh, or you go to a wedding. Let's say that. Imagine you go to a wedding <coughs> The bride and groom go up there, and then 
you know, the cameraman is focused in, the preacher starts talking to, the congregation is listening to, they're singing songs about the best man. And he's in the middle. And the bride and groom are standing off to the side. That would be an awkward wedding, wouldn't it? Like, here comes the best man. <laughs> you know what I mean? What kind of weird thing is that? And that's what a lot of, a lot of us pastors are doing. Here I come. <laughs> hey, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when you're, you see your friend and you're, you wave at your friend, but there's someone in front, of, in front of them and then they wave. It's like, I'm not waving at you. <laughs> I'm waving at Matt. You know, you want to be politer. But that's the way it is with some of us. We're like, you're, he's, they're waving at me. They love me. <laughs> Turn around, idiot. <laughs> it's Jesus they love, not you. And if people's eyes are on you, then there's an even bigger problem. Verse 31, let's finish this up. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth is earthly and speaks on earthly terms. So, a comparison. Who would you rather point people to, honestly? Yourself or Jesus? And then verse 32. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, yet no one accepts his testimony. The one who has accepted his testimony has affirmed that God is true. I want, I want you to notice something there about 32 and 33. John the Baptist wasn't Jesus. He wasn't the point of everything. But at the same time, he didn't undervalue himself as well. What does that mean? It doesn't mean we walk around saying, I, I'm worthless. I don't have a purpose here. I'm no good. That's, that's the opposite of what we're, that's not what we were talking about. John the Baptist says, he's from heaven. I'm from earth. But I have a job to do and I've done it faithfully. I've pointed people to him. I, John, the, being the best man, that's a privilege and an honor, isn't it? You know, that's a, that's a place of honor. And Jesus said of John the Baptist, among men born of women, there's no one greater than John the Baptist. Isn't that interesting? So John wasn't like, I'm just dumb. I don't, I'm not even, you know, good here or whatever. He says, I've done this job. I have received his testimony even though nobody else did. That's what it said there. And I've proclaimed him. So he recognized there, and we should recognize too, we have importance in this whole plan. And verse 33, the one who has accepted his testimony has affirmed that God is true. For God sent him and he speaks God's word since he gives the spirit without measure. Talking about Jesus, that he received the Holy Spirit. And they, it says that there's history to that. In the Old Testament and the, the way they taught, they taught that the prophets would receive a little bit of the Holy Spirit, a measure. Like a, you know, for those of you who cook or bake or whatever, you get the, the little measuring. I don't do this, so I, I'm not familiar with this process. I've seen it done. Measuring out oil and whatever you put in cake, egg. <laughs> so that's what they said about the prophets and they said the, these prophets you know Isaiah and the rest of even the, the big dogs Isaiah, Jeremiah, those Daniel they got the spirit with measure meaning a specific amount of God's Holy Spirit work for a specific time and then just to, just to measure and what it says of Jesus here that this is interesting he gives him the spirit without measure unlimited 
the power of God working through him in an unlimited, immeasurable way. That reminds me of something where the Bible says, he who believes in him out of his innermost being will flow torrents of living water. And then, uh, so verse 35, the father loves the son, has given all things into his hand. The relationship between, within the Godhead, the father and the son. The one who believes in the son has eternal life, but the one who refuses to believe in the son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. We talked about this last week. There is a judgment of God. But why will people be judged? I, I, I talked about this last week in John 3, 36 to 39. They're going to be condemned. They're going to experience the wrath of God. It's very clear here who is responsible for that. It's not God. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him, whoever, anybody, who would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The one who believes in the Son has eternal life. It's just that simple. But the one who refuses to believe in the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains upon him. If someone has the wrath, the judgment, that it literally means the angry judgment of God. Not a, not a losing your temper kind of anger, but a calculated, this is the punishment you deserve kind of judgment. Whoever experiences that will do so because they have decided to reject Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. So it's like, it's almost like, let me just simplify. Do you want to be judged by God? Yes or no? No. Okay, believe in the Son. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's how God did it, because Jesus did all the work. He did the hard part. He took our place. Now you believe. The only person who will experience the judgment of God are those who say, I will not. I refuse to. It's like accepting a gift. And then who are you going to get mad at when you don't receive the gift? It's you. If you don't receive it, that's on you. Right? And so our job is to proclaim that gift and that message. And it's, But it's not our job to coerce or force people into faith. That's the offer that's there. And that's what chapter 3 ends on. And I think what it does is, I think the, the, the part of chapter 3 that we read this evening, the ministry of John the Baptist, focusing on and moving toward the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of West Church, the ministry of Michael and Josiah and Dino and Eric and Brian and Gavin and Luca and who else do you want? Judah. Lynn, Frank, is for a purpose of moving people's attention off of us and on to Christ Jesus. Because then they'll be able to be saved and accept the free gift of salvation and avoid the condemnation that we all justly deserve. That sounds like a pretty good uh, action plan, right, for a church? For Christians? <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for uh, giving us the clarity that you must increase, we must decrease. What we do, what we, will, what we have accomplished, what we will accomplish for you 
is all because of you. The, no one can receive anything unless it's first given to him. It's because of you, and it's for the purpose of leading people to you. Help us to do that faithfully and to recognize we are nothing without you, but we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. In Jesus' name we pray.